Before we get started with today's show, we wanted to apologize for some minor technical difficulties we had in this episode. While we work out these kinks for future episodes, we hope you're enjoying the content and appreciate all of your support. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Soprano Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. And I'm Hannibal Diaz. And today we're going to be looking at Season 1, Episode 3, Denial, Anger, Acceptance. This episode aired January 24th, 1999, and it was written by Mark Saracini and directed by Nick Gomez. Here's the synopsis for Episode 3. Uncle Junior's associate, Mikey Palmisi, stirs things up by making Junior think Tony wants to be next in line for boss. Meanwhile, Tony, Polly, and Silvio deal with Hasidic family problems. Yeah. Sums it up. I love this episode. Yeah, so do I. It's a good episode. Yeah, this episode, I don't know, the word textural comes mm. to mind. Uh, there aren't a lot of incredibly huge driving plot developments in this episode. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say there was a sense of kind of organic widening of scope a little bit. You know, uh, we see the Hasidic Jews and how they deal with Tony. Mm -hmm. um, we see Meadow at school and how she responds to the pressures of being a high achieving student. And it all felt very real to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it did feel real. And the thing that I liked about it is that we got to see um, and feel how Tony and Junior kind of respond differently to pressure mm -hmm. and to being boss. Mm -hmm. So if they were now, if you know, if they were assuming the the leadership role, um, we really get to see how these two guys uh, take that approach, and uh, it's very different from yeah. each other. Yeah, how they're one, one is very styles. good at it, and yeah. one is very bad at it. Yeah, exactly. And we can already tell. Yeah, uh, from yeah. That. So I think, yeah, we should maybe start just by looking at the, um, I really want to talk about the Hasidic uh, Jew plot line. Yeah, let's jump into that. Because it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and it's kind of funny how it's brought up too, where mm -hmm. Silvio's just like, Trust me, you could a break being Jewish. <laughs> See what I got to deal with? Jews, Jews, that's right. I knew there was something. Uh, Tony, you know that guy Titleman? <laughs> Silvio's like, Jews, Jews. Oh, yeah, what was that? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then he sort of uh, brings up this business opportunity right? Uh, that's going to sort of dominate the mafia plot line in this episode. Yeah, so if you weren't um, really paying close attention to it, because I think I, I seem to remember when I first watched this episode, I might have not liked this episode as much as I do right now. Okay. Um, and maybe because I wasn't following along too well. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I get the benefit that I'm watching it again and I'm watching it twice for this podcast that I really get to see how it's, it's playing out. But, uh, Hesh, who is Tony's associate who worked with his dad, he's telling Tony, this is not a good idea, but basically the, uh, father of a bride is looking for help because the bride wants a divorce and the divorce will only be given to the bride and the father if the son-in-law 
is paid a get. If he is given a sort of money owed mm-hmm. for this divorce that he doesn't necessarily agree with. Right. And it's called a get. And yep. what he wants is 50% of the motel business that right. the father owns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's asking a lot. And, right. you know, a funny detail, too, is that uh, I don't know if the Hasidic Jews in this episode are, like, part of their own Jewish mob necessarily. But mm. the fact is, I mean, they're dealing with Tony and Silvio. Right. So these guys are a bit shady, mm-hmm. as we'll see. So, yeah, it's just interesting to sort of see uh, that version of mob shadiness in a way. And, you know, it's kind of funny, too, as far as the whole concept of the get goes there's reference in this episode that uh you know this problem comes up a lot in this specific section of the jewish community and mm. that there's like goon squads that right. will be sent out to intimidate these husbands yeah uh who want exorbitant gets but that they've sort of been shut down by the justice department or something like that that's uh, yeah which is what brings shlomo to uh tony and his crew right and we really get to see uh tony's prowess yeah as boss yeah um because he's he's basically i mean he he makes it look really easy to be a mob boss where he's just like that's fine i'll help you out but we get 20 for 25 percent. he wants 50 percent. you just give us 25 yeah and the son makes a comment that you're creating a golem yeah out of this um but the father agrees yeah to it and it just really seemed too easy but you could tell yeah that maybe it was too easy maybe the and we later discover that the father maybe had different plans about Mm -hmm. how uh it was gonna all go down but that's a really good deal i mean i don't see if i was a mob boss that's that's a good deal for me and my crew i get 25 percent of a motel business absolutely and what i love about this dramatically is just that it does seem like such a straightforward easily solvable problem yeah which is oh go like basically rough up my son-in-law and he will acquiesce to your demands and this is something that tony and his guys have done many times to many people but when they're dealing with this guy uh ariel stuff gets way more complicated they get in like way deeper than they thought they were going to yeah Uh, and i really love the way that that played out actually because even though they're very frustrated with having to try and get ariel to uh give them what they want they also sort of respect him right because he's so stubborn and he's so resistant and he's so resistant to their intimidation tactics right the intimidation tactics of polly and sylvia yeah yeah but polly particularly you know I, i was thinking too that this is like a kind of a, a blossoming for an episode for a lot of characters where sure. they get to really you really get a sense of who these characters are and i think Polly is one of them um i think Polly is just hysterical in this episode like when they first right. confront the son uh the son-in-law and the son-in-law is basically like you guys should leave before you embarrass yourself any further yeah. Polly's just like i'm not embarrassed are you embarrassed still right <laughs> i'm not embarrassed and then the the, the moment where you're holding him down and he says he's not going to he's not going to give in yeah and Sylvia's like say bupkis paulie huh that's how they say nothing fuck that this is how i say nothing 
How's that for nothing? Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. That's a really funny moment. Yeah. Um, no, I I think uh, I think Polly's great. I love Polly and Silvio. Yeah. You know when they're together, mm-hmm. uh, there's kind of a I don't know. There's just like a funny double act that yeah. they have. You know when they go off to solve problems for Tony and yeah. stuff. Uh, it's funny. I mean, yeah. Well, we see that in this show that Polly is a great character that the other characters can bounce off of, usually mm-hmm. with pretty funny results. Yeah. The scene, I was wondering what you thought of this shot. I thought yeah. this was a really cool shot, um, even though it's just so simple. Um, but the fact that the the shot where they're throwing the son-in-law into Ariel into the trunk. Yeah. And the shot's from within the trunk. Right. And he's fighting back and, and closing yeah. the trunk. But the scene's still going, so you can still hear them outside. Yeah. I really yeah. like that shot. Yeah. I thought that was really, that's, that was a really yeah. good shot because it, it's... It's comical, but it's also like, you know, it's kind of, it's not scary, but mm-hmm. it's, for Ariel, it's scary. He's being yeah. thrown into the back of a trunk, but he's resisting. Yeah. He's showing the resistance that he's putting up. There's a, yeah, there's definitely like a, a darkness to it. It's a cool shot. I mean, I think that the Ariel character is really cool in a way because, it, like I was saying earlier, you know, it seems like it's just going to be like an open and shut case. They'll go like threaten this guy, rough him up, mm-hmm. and then he'll just give them what they want. Yeah. And they'll be done with that, you know. But when they confront him, he actually makes a lot of really uh, good points about why he's entitled to what he's entitled to mm-hmm. and why he's not going to back down. Yeah. And they're all like perfectly reasonable, logical yeah. um, points that he brings up. And so you are sort of on his side. And then when he continues to resist and not give in to the beatings and everything and just kind of stick it out, you're like, Hey, good for this guy. Yeah. Well he's, yeah. And then Tony's also constrained by the fact he can't really kill him. Right. That's the dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Tony can't just kill him outright. That would end the deal. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very good thing. And then obviously Hesh, uh, comes in to save the day. Yeah. All you have to do is just, threaten to clip his balls and dick off and yeah that's the ultimate conclusion yeah that's yeah it. just the old threaten with castration yeah and uh that is kind of how they solve Gets that every issue. time although it's still not quite resolved and that we'll see that towards the end of the episode right. which we can discuss yeah yeah um yeah we can uh we can talk about that because it'll kind of wrap up um the the hasidic plot mm-hmm. line uh that uh Shlomo doesn't want to give. Uh, Shlomo uh, made right. a made a better deal with Ariel mm-hmm. and gave him fifteen percent mm-hmm. of the business. So uh, he doesn't uh, he doesn't need to give Tony yeah. the the twenty five anymore. Yeah, he, yeah, he no, had a that's... little money compensation. Yeah. Here's a nice envelope full of not what twenty five percent of a motel business would equal. Mm-hmm. Um, hope you enjoy it. And uh, Tony's not having it. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, nor should he. After everything that uh, he and uh, Sil and Polly have gone through. Yeah. But I just love that button on the storyline of even though you would have thought Shlomo would have just given Tony what was agreed upon, he doesn't, and he's a big pain in Tony's ass now. Yeah. And it just goes back to what Hesh warned at the very, very beginning, mm-hmm. which is do not get involved with these people yeah. do not get involved with these Hasidic Jews. I mean, Hesh is Jewish. Uh, 
but he's not orthodox like Shlomo and his son and Ariel and all that stuff. And Hesh just looks at these guys as like, no, they're too extreme in every way. Yeah. Uh, you get involved in these guys, even if you think it's for your benefit, like at the end of the day, you're going to be sorry that you ever met them. Yeah. And the kind of look on Tony's face at the end of the episode as he sort of, you know, shoves uh, Shlomo off. Right. Uh, there's a look on his face and it's just kind of like, oh man, Hesh was right. Like in a way, it's just sort of like, yeah, uh, like, I can't believe I got to deal with this, this. Guy now. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? This is going to yeah. be just a complete hassle for me. But I, lo- I love that scene. It's yeah. a, it's an interesting scene because it takes place in like just this awkward hallway. Right. The lighting's weird. The lighting's weird. Yeah. But it still has a huge impact. And I think that just mm-hmm. goes to Gandolfini's presence as an actor. Yeah. And uh, also punching the wall helps. Yeah, it uh, does. <laughs> throwing your fist into the wall and making yeah. a hole yeah. in it. Um, that helps too. But yeah. I, and I also noticed too, and I don't know if it was a character choice or mm-hmm. the actor stumbling over his lines, mm-hmm. but the, and even the subtitle, I was watching it with the subtitles on, mm-hmm. even the subtitles kind of follow along with this, what I would think is a mistake. Yeah. From an acting standpoint, it looks like a mistake where the guy, gentleman who plays Shlomo, he's saying he's explaining to Tony mm-hmm. that like, no, oh, no, no, um, my, he, my daughter. My, my, and he's like mumble, He's like stumbling mm-hmm. over the lines. Basically, mm-hmm. he's like my uh, daughter. Yeah. Uh, and she gets the divorce and and he doesn't you do nothing. Everything's OK. Right. And it feels like a moment where they're not going to call c- cut. Yeah. They're going to keep going with it. It felt to me like that was an actor screwing up his lines mm-hmm. and that was James Gandolfini just being like, eh, you know, let's roll with it. It's just, right. it, it fits the moment that this guy might be a little intimidated. Sure. Um, and scared, but I saw it as bad acting. I didn't oh. see it as good acting of somebody who's nervous. I yeah. saw somebody who's nervous because they're forgetting their lines. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that I, yeah. I picked up on, but maybe yeah. I'm, reading too much into it but both times i watched it i was like yeah "Eh, he's not pulling that off very well (laughs) and then when he gets roughed up i was like yeah kind of deserve it (laughs) screwed up those lines yeah he screwed up those lines yeah you know it's funny that you bring that up because in a way you could say it's a happy accident because an interpretation that i have too is that shlomo is a shady guy yeah and he sort of making up he, he's sort of making it out to be easier than it's going to be right you know and so that could account for his kind of fumbling with his words a little bit because he's uh bullshitting yeah. a little bit yeah he is. you know yeah yeah but that that whole uh sequence i think that showed mm-hmm. to me this is why tony would make a good boss right this, this right here i mean he's and if he has to get dirty, he has to get dirty. Mm-hmm. Now, the other other side of it is Junior. And this the episode actually opens up basically taking off where the last episode ended. And it's Chris and uh, Brendan dropping off the Comley truck to the Comley as they were truck station. Ordered to do. As they were ordered to do. And it it ends with, that scene ends with Chris saying that this was a gift from Tony Soprano. Yeah. Next scene, Mikey is telling Junior, oh, Comley wants to thank Tony for bringing back the truck. Yeah. And Junior's pissed about right. this. But he's not p- 
pissed enough to know exactly what to do about it. Mikey has Mikey yeah. has the right idea. Like we should have dealt with Chris Moltisanti to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like this problem, you know, could have been handled. And Junior has a line that every time, <laughs> both times that I watch this, I could not stop laughing. Oh, I know. Yeah. Where he says, "You should have sent a clear-cut signal to what you fuck with Junior Soprano." Take it easy. We're not making a western here. Yeah, yeah, because Mikey's funny. I mean, he's a funny character. He's sitting there, and he's like, yeah, kill Christopher, kill Brendan, kill everyone. I mean, he's smart enough to know that he can't say kill Tony, but he wants Tony dead, too. Sure. He wants Tony completely out of the picture. Right. Uh, and it's just funny because I felt like Mikey is sort of a counter counterpoint to Brendan in that mm. uh, he is associated closely with a man who's more deeply connected with the crew and he sort of sees this man as his ticket to rise you know so when brendan is always encouraging chris to take big risks and make big moves Mm. the subtext of that is oh you can do that because you're tony soprano's nephew and if i'm your like sidekick with this i can kind of ride your coattails right and he's sort of like trying to encourage chris to have balls that he himself brendan doesn't actually have yeah you know and it's the same thing with mikey where he is very ambitious and he wants to be on top but he knows that he can't really facilitate that himself so he wants to encourage junior to make these big moves and make these big kills yeah uh so you know he can be uh rising within the organization the other thing about this uh, opening scene with mm-hmm. Junior and Mikey is that it is very consistent, of course, with I, just for me, this is just kind of a real simple example of cool writing because mm-hmm. uh, and cool character work because we establish in the pilot that Junior is insecure and that he's driven by his insecurities. That's something that Hesh says in the pilot. Yeah. And then we see Junior, you know, at the end of episode two, he was. I guess more or less okay with how things had panned out with calmly and everything. But the fact that Tony in effect gets the credit for returning the stolen goods to calmly, uh, junior is upset about that, you know, and that's all about his insecurity. Like, Oh, Tony, old man Comley's thinking Tony now, like I should have got the credit for that. Like, does it really matter who gets the credit? No, not really. But, to junior this is like grounds possibly for murder right <laughs> yeah, right yeah. yeah or yeah and i love that he uh, also throws into that he bought aj a 400 dollar surfboard yeah yeah and so he's like how dare you know right look at, look at what i do what i give and he did that in the first episode too about yeah. playing yeah playing how many times did i play catch with you yeah this is also i mean all of this is basically happening all these um, actions are taking place because Jackie's in the hospital and yes. he's dying. Yes. And this is really what the episode is titled for. So every scene, basically every scene with Melfi is a scene of denial is the first scene. Anger is the second one. And acceptance is the last one. With exactly. Melfi. Uh, and it opens up with him uh, hating that painting out there. The Korshak test, as he calls it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I made that, a note of that Korshak. Korshak. That it's uh, a trick painting. And, yeah. uh, you know, the rotted out tree and the depressing barn. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all uh, focused on basically his own internal depression, mm-hmm. which Melfi obviously picks up on right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to pick up on that. 
but uh, Tony doesn't get it. And Tony's basically like, you know, Jackie's, you know, he's he's tough. He's right. He's gonna fight through this, and denial, denial. And we get we get added denial when <laughs> Tony leaves him a party in his hospital room, mm-hmm. the stripper. And um, the only thing I'll say about that scene is, did you see the abs on that on that woman? The stripper. I did notice her abs. You did? Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, she's more fit than anyone I've seen in the episode, in this series Maybe so Maybe the entire series. Yeah. Perfect abs. Yeah. Really fit woman. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps an actual stripper. Maybe. I mean. From all the, the swinging on the pole, perhaps. I mean, what do you do to get abs like that? I really don't planks. know. Planks. Yeah. You do planks and... Uh, a lot of sit-ups. Good casting. You really good casting. Okay, so with that scene, yeah, what I thought was funny about it is that for Tony and Jackie, this is actually a very sweet moment, right? You know, and it's not like what they're doing is so terribly bad. Like Tony can see that Jackie is having a really tough time with his health. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. depressed. He's bedridden and everything. Tony wants to give him a little thrill, so he brings this stripper over from the Bing, who at first uh, is masquerading as a nurse, and then you know mm-hmm. her clothes are kind of slipping out. You know, she's like falling out of her top and everything like that. And like Jackie, it's like slowly dawning on Jackie <laughs> what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jackie's married, obviously, and it's implied that you know God knows. Uh, what's going to happen with this stripper when Tony leaves the room. You know what I mean? But for Tony and Jackie, this is like a bonding exercise. And and Tony's like being a really good friend. And like Jackie sees that. So that was sort of the thing about this whole scene that really stood out to me, which is just like, yeah, again, in this world, this is what kind of passes for good, clean fun. Like sending a stripper to your married friend and then, you know, uh, letting him do whatever he wants with her. Yeah, and I well, I like that the following scene is Tony kind of explaining this to Melfi as if yeah. she's going to be like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. he didn't go into detail. He, he didn't say, like, into... oh, she got naked and was climbing all over him and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he just said they had a party. Yeah. And, and Melfi's yeah. just like, that's nice for you to have a party right, with your, yeah. for your friend. Yeah. Um, and this is the anger scene. Yeah. Uh, and it it boils over because... I mean, Tony basically asks her. I mean, Tony puts her in a really mm-hmm. um, awkward position. I, I mean, as a doctor of psychiatry, mm-hmm. to be asked to diagnose someone who has cancer right. on how long too. they on, on how long. I mean, he's setting her up for failure with exactly. that one. He he kind of wants her. I don't know what he wants her to say, but he he uses it as his catalyst to go off on her. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those really funny things where she simply didn't give him the answer that he wanted. You know, he the reason why he asked her, in my opinion, is is just because he wants her, you know, it's like a little kid going to the mom and like he, he wants the mom to say like, no, it's OK. Like there's nothing under the bed like, oh, your friend's right, going right. to be fine. He wants to be reassured. He wants like a good bedside manner or something. <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't know anything. She's just sort of like or I mean, she doesn't know anything about Jackie's condition specifically 
But based off what Tony has told her going into a little bit of detail, she simply says, like, oh, it doesn't sound very good. And then, of course, that makes Tony explode because he didn't get the answer that he wanted. Right. And but, but she's trying to do her best as a psychiatrist right. to nail down what's really bothering him. Yeah. And she brings up the the ducks and the tree, the rotted out tree. Right. And Tony has yeah. just the best response, which is... What happens to a tree that's rotted out? Trees, ducks, what the fuck are you, Ranger Rick? <laughs> yeah. It's a really good line. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. And, you know, it was kind of a bad move on Melfi's part to even bring that up because, right. I mean, she must have had to have known that he was already so agitated about that painting. I mean, that's just another thing. We don't need to, you know, delve into it too much. But <laughs> going back to the very first shot of episode one, Tony looks around her office in the waiting room and everything. And when he finds like a piece of art, whatever it seems to be bothers him. Yeah. <laughs> whatever he's looking at, somehow he bothers it. It, it bothers him. He sees it as like a test or, or right. a provocation of some kind. Yeah. And that's just kind of an interesting th thread. You know, it's part of Tony's sort of, I don't quite understand this, mm -hmm. uh, so it makes me mad, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it culminates to the, the final scene with, mm -hmm. with Melfi. And this is actually, I think, really great acting mm -hmm. here by Gandolfini uh, acceptance scene. And um, it's kind of really, it's really beautiful the way he um, kind of finally comes to, to terms with Jackie's health. Mm -hmm. And he brings up the fact that uh, uh, Shlomo called him a Frankenstein. Right. And a golem. Right. And I love that shot at the end when Melfi asks him, do you feel like a Frankenstein? And he's slouched. Mm -hmm in his yeah. chair with his gray sports jacket on and his right. gray pants and he looks like Frankenstein Frankenstein's monster just yeah. slouched in the chair unmoving disturbing looking like just right a a bad character and it's just a really good yeah really good scene it's a perfect moment because he doesn't have to say yes or no you know we end on that question and then you know verbally it's left ambiguous because obviously he doesn't answer like yes i think i'm a frankenstein or no i don't yeah. it's just the image says it all you know the image and his non-response and that's how we wrap up that particular scene and it's great you know and uh i guess if we jump backwards you know the reason why he has finally accepted it is because he tries to, in a way, replicate what he had done earlier in the episode by trying to, you know, lift Jackie's spirits. This time he doesn't try to do it with a stripper. He tries to uh, regale Jackie with right. yeah. the tale of, you know, how they uh, were up all night beating the hell out of Ariel and ultimately they had to threaten to cut his dick and balls off. Yeah. And like to, you know, Tony, this is all really funny. And he's like, and it should be to Jackie. Yeah, and he's presenting it as like, oh, look how fine this is. But this is a great scene. And, you know, uh, the actor who plays Jackie, uh, I felt like he did a really good job because oh, you absolutely. see that he's just like completely given up. He's in his own world. He looks terrible. His like hair is very thin at this point. You know, mm -hmm. he's just, he looks deathly ill. He looks like he's at death's door and he's just sort of focused on his own pain. Mm -hmm. And he's not even really listening to Tony. Like as Tony sort of mentions later in the therapy session, uh, it's kind of like Jackie didn't even know that he was there, you know? Yeah. And it's like this scene says, yeah, like Jackie's on his way out. Like he's going and. So I guess that's my yeah. question. Yeah. 
is Jackie, did he not go out at the end of this episode? Because we have that scene with Junior and Livia where Junior is describing how awful he, he started looking, almost implying that now he is gone. Because Livia says God works in mysterious ways. Usually you say that when somebody dies, but maybe you're saying she's saying that just to... I mean, I haven't watched episode four yet, so I don't remember when it comes, but obviously Jackie's going to die. Right. Um, we can see that clearly. I just felt like maybe he did die in this episode, but perhaps I'm... I don't think he's dead yet. He's not dead yet. Okay. But it's at this point, yes, uh, during that scene, you know, with uh, Junior and Livia, which is maybe my favorite scene of the whole episode. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they just know that he's, like, the game is up. Like, yeah. Jackie is not going to beat this thing. Why is this your favorite scene? Because the whole time that I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, Olivia doesn't even appear. Like, we had Olivia-heavy episode one, Olivia-heavy episode two, and then no Livia at all in episode three. And then you're like, okay, mm -hmm. I guess we're not going to get to see her. No, no <laughs> Nancy in this one. And then boom, yeah. she's back, you know, and uh, she's, she's playing a pretty heavy game in this yeah. scene. And uh, she sort of makes a judgment call on the life and death of two characters. Right. And so that's what I loved. Yeah. Because, you know, she's such a minor part of the episode. You think that she's not even going to appear. And then she appears in an incredibly significant way. Um, and I think, as I mentioned before, anything with Junior and Livia are two senior citizens of this series. You know, that stuff is gold every single time. Yeah. I just love seeing the two of them together. Yes. And I love how, you know, they do classic kind of mafia speak of using euphemisms and saying things without saying them. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, Livia sort of makes her judgment call and she says, okay, I see, I hear the situation that, you know, you've got with Christopher and his pal, Brendan. Christopher, you can't really kill him. Like, I won't stand for that. This other guy, uh, you got to kill him. And that's fine with me. Yeah. And, but this yeah. is also, this is showing the juxtaposition of Tony's approach mm -hmm. to business mm -hmm. and Junior's. Mm -hmm. Junior needs to ask Livia Mm -hmm. what he should do right like is he that dumb i feel like junior yeah. is so far gone and this is a perfect example that he has to go to livia he has to get the approval yeah. i mean maybe maybe junior has an idea of what he what needs to be done right but he doesn't feel right about it he's maybe insecure yeah. about it yeah and when he gets the permission of Livia, it's almost like getting the permission, I would say, maybe mm -hmm. from his brother. Sure. Because Livia was definitely, of that yeah. couple, probably the stronger Oh yeah, of the yeah, two. Yeah, that's and, strongly implied. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he, he needs that reassurance, that like almost a mother's reassurance mm -hmm. that, yeah, you can do that. It's fine. He needs some backing. And, uh, you know, going back to the idea of great character work, in that scene, you know, as you're talking about with Junior's kind of um, failure to to take like a real strong leadership role, you can automatically see, oh, okay, in the, you know, 30 or 40 years of mob history that precede 
um, precede the beginning of this show, mm-hmm. you know, you can sort of see why Junior never became the leader that he felt he deserved to be yeah. because he was hesitant to make the big calls. You know, he was hesitant to take action. You know, he's thinking it, he's overthinking it. Uh, he doesn't want to make those tough calls, and that's ultimately what is needed mm-hmm. uh, to be a boss of any kind, but especially in this world of violence <laughs> yeah. and the mob, you know? Yeah. Uh, Junior's, he's great. You know, he can play the game in many ways, but he can't quite play it at that level. He's missing, like, that last 10% necessary mm-hmm. to be the boss, Yeah. and that's going to vex him, you know, always. Right. Um, something I was just... Uh that just came to my attention yeah. was that Nancy uh, Marshan is that? Uh, yeah. Marshawn or Marshawn. Yeah. Uh, is a four time Emmy award winner. I didn't know that for the Lou Grant show. I don't even know what that 70s is. And... <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I've never oh, even heard of that show. Mary Tyler Moore. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah. Had a show. Right. Uh, Lou Grant. Okay. Was her boss. Wow. And they, I think, I guess, I mean, I, I, we were, both of us were not mm-hmm. old enough for either of those shows, yeah. but I believe they made a spinoff yeah. of uh, Lou Grant's character, her boss in, in the Mary uh, Tyler Moore okay. show. Okay. And yeah. uh, Nancy was on that show. Four-time Emmy winner. That's great. Four times. I had that. no clue until this yeah. moment that she had such like a big presence in television prior to Sopranos. I guess. I mean, yeah. I assume that she had acted for many years. Yes. But, uh, that's cool. Yeah, now she I, was nominated yeah. twice for for this role, right? Olivia Soprano. She was nominated yeah. for this season's episode for best supporting yeah. actress, um, and it, you know she did a wonderful job. Yeah, um, uh, as this character. Some, if you know this show, yeah, you love Livia and you love Nancy Marchand's work. Yes, uh, but I think there are some out there who probably are like can't stand Livia, mm-hmm. can't stand her, and I was on that. I was on that boat. I was on it, but mm-hmm. I, I got off that when I started watching it again uh, for this podcast. I just can't get enough of her. Yeah. She's so good. She yeah. really is. Um, so we we talked about basically some of the big chunks right. of this whole episode. There are some other sort of B-plots yes. running uh, throughout this, and one would be Charmaine and Carmella. I love this plot line. Do you? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great because I think as we uh, commented on before, episode two was not a big Carmella episode. She doesn't have much to do in that one. And right. so she comes back into the fold in a you know relatively major way uh, in this episode. And I think it's just kind of cool to sort of get a plot with Carmella that sort of explores Carmella's uh, drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's obvious, but just... The concerns of Carmela and some of her flaws. Well, as being the wife of a, right. a mob boss, right? What what is that like? What does the exactly. wife of a mob boss actually do? Yeah, and and we can see that uh, okay, she's she's hosting a party for the high society, right? Um, and that's probably something a mob boss wife would do. Exactly, and that's what I wanted to say about Carmela in this episode is that we see how she leverages her status right you know obviously she doesn't do it with guns and beatings but she does it with kind of uh passive aggressive lording over other people in her own way being like look i'm better than you look Mm -hmm. at me look at the money that i have look at you know the access to society that i have and she does kind of like want to flaunt that and brag about it in a way and she's doing it in such a non-vicious 
exactly. subtle way passive aggressive yeah. yeah completely passive aggressive to charmaine she looks down on their new home mm-hmm. uh she you know she hopes that they get back on their feet right and charmaine is just taking it on the chin yeah. like she's like okay i'm not gonna say anything it's fine yeah. whatever i'm good you're good we're good it's good but it really just gets to a point where right. Charmaine can't take it anymore. Right. I thought it was interesting that she would just, she didn't have to say that her and Tony had a thing. Right. She didn't have to say it at all, but she was like, fuck this bitch. Yeah. I'm taking too much of this shit. Right. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Carmela's just been jabbing and jabbing and jabbing for the whole episode. Right. And, you know, let's talk about a very key visual, mm-hmm. which is, uh, that kind of hand wave gesture yes. that Carmela has. Well, if you've ever been in the service industry, yeah. that hand wave gesture, that is a gesture you do not want to come to yeah. at all. Um, yeah. Sometimes you can avoid it. I avoid it. <laughs> right. <laughs> sometimes I just turn around and walk the other way. Yeah. But uh, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's like sort of a, a brutal thing to do, especially to someone that you've known. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, as we'll get to in this um episode with the way that Charmaine has her ultimate revenge on Carmela at the end of the episode mm-hmm. you know it's strongly implied that all of these characters have known each other since uh you know childhood yeah 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 exactly and so for Carmela to you know we have this whole scene where Carmela and Charmaine are walking around the Soprano household sort of prepping for this big uh event that they're going to put on later and uh we see Carmela's interaction with her maid and she kind of like waves her over Mm-hmm. Big close up on Carmela's hand. Charmaine picks up on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like uh, Carmela's, you know, perfectly done, you know, New Jersey mob boss nails and everything yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, Charmaine notices. And then later when they're actually doing the event, you know, we it, it's cool the way that this is directed and um, edited because Charmaine is having a good time. You know, she's doing her job she's mm-hmm. serving people she's preparing the food you know with Artie, and and she's doing her job well and she's actually fine she's happy and she's smiling and interacting but then we get that close-up again yeah. on carmella and her perfect nails and it's like come over here charmaine you know and then that kind of ends charmaine's like fantasy of oh this is going to be okay she's like nope carmella sees me as the servant right fuck her yeah and not only not only like fuck you to mm-hmm. Carmela, but also like she makes the point that at the end we made our choices and i'm right. happy with mine yeah almost to imply that you made the bad choice right you're actually with tony soprano yeah i'm with a chef i'm right. pretty comfortable i can sleep well at night can you yeah like it, that's exactly. kind of what i took from it that she was implying yeah. like look I'm yeah. kind of okay. I'm with Artie. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope you're okay being with Tony Soprano. Well, it's cool. I mean, it's just, that's absolutely true. And so she's able to kind of hit Carmela on two levels. Yeah. You know, she's able to shut her up and be like, look, uh, yeah, I had sex with your husband. Right. Like before you were married, obviously, but that's something that you never knew. And yeah. like that and completely ends the conversation. And you'll never forget. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I could have totally had everything that you have. You know, all of this, all of these ways that you're subtly trying to tell me that you're better than me and that you won and, like, I am lower than you on the totem pole. It's like, I could have been on your level if I chose to. 
Right. I chose not to. So don't really feel bad for me, you know, which is great because Charmaine is so, uh, you know, she keeps it together for the most part. And she's very much like, no, we're, she's very principled about we're not going to get involved with Tony and his sort of like mob ways, you right. know, which is what Artie wants. I mean, I think it'd be interesting actually to kind of talk about Artie's arc through this episode too, because, you know, it's pretty significant and it kind yeah. of mirrors and contrasts with Charmaine's, you mm -hmm. know, in terms of how they both relate to the Sopranos. Um, I mean, the one thing I kind of took away from Artie's position in this is that he is on on his own end he's kind of playing a passive um guilt tripping that he doesn't realize he's doing because he doesn't know that tony's responsible for the arson yeah but tony is really taking it uh not not well at all and it's part of his denial anger and acceptance is that he's guilt-ridden over absolutely over this and he sees what it's turned into the insurance isn't paying out and all Artie wants to do is find a way to get back on his feet. And if it means accepting, uh, you know, funding from Tony Soprano, why not? What's the difference between Charmaine being paid by Carmela to do a job and for Tony to to be an investor in a new Vesuvio? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I would say in addition to that, you know, a cool thing about Artie's character, and I really like Artie a lot. I don't think I've really gone into that before mm -hmm. on this podcast, but I love Artie and I love the actor who plays him. And, uh, you know, he did he did such a good job with with depicting this man who has grown up with a guy who went on to become very powerful. And Tony gets to do in his life all of the things that Artie wishes that he could do. And Artie's made different choices, and he's ultimately comfortable with those choices. But to be close to Tony is to be emasculated constantly by mm. Tony. That's how Artie looks at it. And so I also think that, you know, Artie with his, like, oh, I want to take his his dentist comp tickets yeah. in episode one, even though I know they probably, that's, you know, they were probably stolen or something like that. I always interpreted Artie's wanting to sort of get involved in a very tangential way to Tony's business as sort of a way for Artie to be less emasculated by interacting with Tony. He's like, oh, if I sort of get involved with sort of the seedier side too in my own very safe yeah. way, you know, I feel more masculine. You know, I feel more in charge. I right. feel sexier about myself. You yeah, know, because I can sort of do bad things too. Look at me, you know. And Charmaine is Charmaine sees that, you know. Even though I don't think she necessarily like says it out loud, she sees that clearly, and she's always pulling him back. Right. She's like, "Remember who you really are. Mm -hmm. You're not that guy. You're, you know, a lame middle-aged chef. And I love you, but like, you're not and, Tony. And yeah, don't and, try to be." And it really comes to a head for Artie, where he throws the meat right at tony's face but why does he do that what had just happened tony's finally fed up i am sick of hearing about your fucking restaurant shut up about it you depressing fucking jerk what the fuck do you know about it don't you motherfucker that's a moment where you're just like as a viewer yeah first time viewer or even yeah not you're just like right Ooh, and that plays out on Artie's face too yeah yeah he's like tony tony and then but yeah 
But then you get this reaction from Tony that you wouldn't expect where he just mm-hmm. throws food back instead of right. reaching over the table and like pulling his head off. Right. And they have this cute little uh, food fight scene. Because they're old friends, you know, and yeah. that's that's like sort of a sweet, you know, you have that scene with Tony and the stripper and Jackie in the hospital and that's like supposed to be sort of sweet, but not really. No. <laughs> but yeah. this scene actually is sweet, you yeah. know. Uh, with with Tony and Artie, and it's like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, Tony will get annoyed and angry with Artie, and Tony could break Artie in two if he wanted to, but he's never really going to do that. No. Like, he, he loves Artie too much, and he sort of pities him in a way, but he also, it's just that sort of, like, sweet younger brother, sort of, like, that's sort, kind of mm-hmm. how he looks at Artie yeah. in a way. Uh, John Ventimiglia? Yeah. I, I probably mangled that last name, but that's the actor who plays Artie. I'm glad you said it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll I, do our I, research between yeah. this week and the next, and I'll pronounce his name correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love that. Um, what did you think about the Meadow story because Mm -hmm. just as somebody who's never done drugs to pass the sats yeah um i didn't see what all the fuss was like are they is that really what it takes to get great sats to get into good schools is to take crystal meth well i think Um, a lot of yeah (laughs) i mean go ahead but to go straight to meth yeah like i think nowadays it's like adderall Mm -hmm. and oxycontin but meth yeah she needed meth yeah they call it crystal or speed yeah in this episode i mean yeah uh for years like i I mean i remember being in in high school and college and and hearing about you know people doing speed yeah yeah sort of like stay up later and be able to study harder you heard about it yeah yeah a friend of mine (laughs) no definitely i yeah yeah i mean i I just definitely uh, not me i mean if i had done speed and still wound up with the grades I got, that'd be pathetic. So <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I liked about the whole thing is that mm-hmm. they were able to get through the concert, the choir mm-hmm. concert at the end. Like mm-hmm. they both had solos. Mm-hmm. They both sang them beautifully. Right. But they did look like they were about to collapse. And I was really <laughs> like they had, you could see beads of sweat yeah. on their forehead. They were kind of shaking and not mm-hmm. really stable. I was really p- pulling for a collapse. Yeah. But then I felt like mm, that might have turned The Sopranos into a show yeah. about getting his daughter off crystal meth. And right. Yeah. <laughs> that would have taken a whole different uh, story. And I, I, yeah. I'm glad they didn't do that. The Sopranos never really goes the after school special route. <laughs> yeah, so right. it would have been weird if they had made that choice in episode three. Yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. Brought yeah. to you by HBO. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that wouldn't quite have worked. I mean, yeah, no. Uh, as far as that whole thing goes, I mean, it doesn't take up a lot of time in this episode, but it's a cool plot line, and um, I, I do love the scenes mm-hmm. involved here. Uh, real quick, the scene where Christopher gives Meadow the drugs right. that she asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Jamie Lynn Sigler in this scene. I love what Meadow does, you know, because the way I interpreted it, was she has the lying gene you know she has the soprano like i can make up a lie like that she's very quick because christopher stinks past carmella he goes up he walks into meadow's room he's like don't tell your dad that like i gave you these drugs he will literally kill me if you do like do not you know and then carmella walks in and she's sort of like what's going on here and meadow does not miss a beat beat. She comes up with a very convincing lie. Your father ever finds out 
God, doesn't anyone ever knock? Look, tell Brendan the hunter would rather die than go out with him. Brendan? Christopher, you keep that asshole away from that child, you understand me? So that scene before yeah. where they actually go to Christopher's apartment, right. yeah. when Christopher says, How about for starters, your father will put a bullet in my head? There's this look on Jamie Lynn Sigler that's like, I don't know I don't know what you thought of it. Because yeah. to me, it could be taken two ways. Like, yeah. her look is like, wow, he's really overdramatic. Right. Or what does he mean my dad yeah. would put a bullet in his head? Because we already know there are guns in the house. Yeah. So we already know that, like, firearms is not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. But the idea that her dad would kill Christopher. Right. Shoot him yeah. for this. Um, is that surprising to her? I don't know. It just it, the look on her face made it seem like maybe this is a surprising thing for Christopher to say that maybe yeah. he's serious or. I mean, I think that with both uh, Meadow and AJ, you know, they are they sort of know what their dad is known for, but they obviously don't want to know too much. So my feeling is right. that Meadow doesn't literally think that her dad would kill Christopher, of course, yeah. but it's just the implication of Christopher's statement of this is what your dad would do. Like she, she understands that the consequences would be severe yeah, and that, you know, Tony would do something beyond the scope of what just a regular dad would do, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, it, I mean, this is just, I feel probably a pretty accurate representation of what it's like to be the child of a criminal. It's yeah. like, you know, but you don't really know and you don't want to know and you sort of just sort of seal yourself in a bubble of ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. Mm -hmm. So the final scene. Right. In the show. Lovely final scene. Yeah. Hijack by Jack. Right. Yeah. Um, so Christopher thinks that this is Tony's goons. Right, yeah, yeah. Because there are accents. The he thinks that they're Russian and that yeah. they're like tied in with uh, Tony's Gumar, Irina, right. which is not true. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's kind great. of he's kind yeah. of like spilling the beans to right. the guys who probably won't understand a word he's saying. Yeah, uh, about the whole thing. They're just laughing at him as he begs for his life. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Now we have that part of it, and then we have Brendan's end. Mm -hmm. um, what did you think about that? Because I have a very yeah. specific point. Oh, okay. On that final scene that yeah. I would make. Yeah, uh, with Brendan. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the way that these two characters sort of get resolved in this episode, Christopher and Brendan, you know, it's great because this is uh, speaks directly to the power of Livia. Yeah. You know, she told Junior exactly what to do, and mm -hmm. he's doing it exactly. He's giving Chris a quote-unquote talking to. Mm-hmm very harsh talking to yeah. straight up mock ex execution yeah. at the docks yeah you know as scary as it gets yeah um but you know ultimately christopher is not really harmed although uh let's note that he does shit himself which <laughs> you know is a great detail wait yeah oh yeah christopher shits himself oh i did not yeah. pick that up yeah at yeah, all. yeah you don't see the shit yes but uh the gangsters the russian gangsters that have the uh yeah. the guns pointed at him they react in a big way like pu because christopher just you know pooped his pants oh i did not because he thinks he's about to die he I thinks it's like his final seconds of you know oh existing gosh. on the face you know of what? the earth 
Uh, I'm glad you're doing this podcast with me. Pick yeah. up on stuff like that because my pickup on it was why is it in scenes like mm-hmm. these where a guy's life has been threatened or something has happened mm-hmm. that they kind of make this odd groan <laughs> like the ah he makes yeah. this like ah yeah and now that was his bowels that I know exactly why he was making yeah. that sound yeah yeah he knows he just got played. Right. And shit his pants. Right. Yeah. Which is, okay. of course, you know, completely humiliating. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that one of the gangsters, he kind of does like a sort of wave with his hand in front of his face. Like, oh, my okay. God, that's disgusting. Like, I smell that. You know what I mean? Wow. And then they walk away. And yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's a nice little detail because yeah. if someone tried to mock execute me, I don't mind telling you, I would probably shit myself. <laughs> yes. And the one thing about the Brendan scene that I'm just caught my attention is that Junior is there for it. That Junior actually has to be present for the killing of Brendan, which I don't know. I would, would Junior really need to be there? It seemed, I don't know, rather odd for a guy who's trying to act as boss to be there for something that could end up putting him behind bars for being present that stood out to me too and i felt like that was a little bit of cinematic license especially the way that like yeah the the way that the the shot kind of plays out where you think it's just mikey killing brendan which you know i thought was cool because as i mentioned before i think that mikey and brendan are kind of counterpoints of each other right um so to have mikey ultimately kill brendan to me it reinforced that whole Mm. notion and uh we pull back and see that junior is there and he sort of smirks you know it's one of those things where it's like they probably wouldn't have done that later in the show like we get that brendan is being murdered on junior's orders but they just kind of wanted to underline that point that this is junior's doing he's behind it all he's the mastermind yeah that makes sense that makes sense um but yeah this these two scenes are um woven with tony uh, arriving at Meadows recital yeah. recital yeah 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 and that was good I mean to me I am guessing that this is intentional because Sopranos you know they like to reference other classic mob uh, cinematic stories mm-hmm. and this reminded me of course of the end of Godfather with uh, Michael executing the heads of the five families oh. uh, or ordering you know those executions wow uh, he's attending the uh, baptism of his nephew yeah. and so you have this kind of like uh, <laughs> uh, I guess sacred and profane juxtaposition mm-hmm. you know because uh, Tony is in a place of like real purity um, he sits down beautiful singing it's a beautiful song the choir's perfect yep. uh, Meadow solo is perfect mm-hmm. Hunter solo is very lovely mm-hmm. and uh so much emotion is is coming out of uh tony at this point you know he's almost crying yeah uh at the beauty of it almost as if he wants to make a point to himself like no i'm not a frankenstein i'm a human being i have emotions you know and so that's kind of where we leave this episode Mm -hmm. yeah and it's a yeah it's a sweet moment there at the end balanced with that uh violence Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's the sopranos that yeah. was a good episode. Episode three, season yeah. one. In the books. Got it. That wraps up episode three. 
denial, anger, acceptance of The Sopranos. This has been The Sopranos Show. I'm Gavin Bowen. I'm Hannibal Diaz. And check us out next week for episode four. In the meantime, you can check out the other episodes if you haven't listened to them so far on iTunes. You can subscribe there. Subscribe on our website at tsspodcast.com. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter, those social media outlets. Um, But, yeah, please leave your reviews and comments. And favorite line? Did you have a favorite line from this Uh, episode? You know what? I'll kind of paraphrase here, but it was Livia's moment Mm -hmm. where she goes, Maybe Christopher could use a little talking to. You know. The other one? Filoni? I don't know. And it's just, yeah. it's so savage because I don't know him translates yeah. to you can kill him. Yeah. Go it's right just ahead. savage. I love it. Yeah. Mine uh, also wasn't such a, uh, I mean, the last two episodes we've picked pretty humorous lines. Uh, mine wasn't really one of those, mm-hmm. but it was a scene with um, Ariel. And when mm-hmm. Tony arrives, mm-hmm. when he's just given them no option, Tony has to show up to help Polly and Silvio. And Ariel says, Are the Romans, where were they now? You're looking at him, asshole. I really like that. Right, yeah. Because like, Tony does see themselves as like soldiers. Yeah, this and, is this is uh, a reference, yeah, that he'll make. Very cool. Yeah.